Here we are, episode 11 of Faithfire Media. Man, we've gotten through 10 episodes. The last three we've been talking about entering God's presence. The first was a preview, and then we went step-by-step step the last two episodes. We're gonna pick up where we left off. A lot of it's gonna be overview, so if you didn't get the last three, that's okay. We're gonna show you just how intricately God has folded into the Word of God, the process, the possibilities, the access that we have into His presence, because that's what it's all about. It's all about Him. He wants you to know your Heavenly Father. We give God all the glory for you being here. Faith Fire Media episode 11 coming up in just a moment after the intro starting right now. It is episode 11 of Faith Fire Media. I'm Frank Mickens. I'm so glad you're here because I truly believe what we're going to talk about today is at the center, the core of why you were exist, why you exist, why you were created by the Lord himself. The book of Ecclesiastes says that he has put eternity into your heart. He planted a seed that yearns for him, that yearns for what is eternal, and that is the Lord himself. It's in you. There's a yearning inside of you. And so we want to delve into this whole reason for why you exist. A lot of people say, what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? These kinds of questions. You're here because God created you to be close to him. And so our topic today is Entering God's Presence, Part 3. I'm going to motor through a little bit of this just to do some recap, but we really are excited that you're here with us today because this is at the core, at the center of why you were created. In the Word of God, God calls himself, I am. That's how central he is. He is, I am. He is everything. He is everything that matters everything. Anytime you're dissatisfied, it's in him. Anytime that you have a question that you seem not to get the answer for, it's in him. Anytime that you're looking for anything, it's in him. And we have trouble because as human beings, we look for other ways to get the answers, other ways to get satisfaction. But God says he wants to be that person. So let's do a little recap. I want to read some scripture to you. Uh, first, I just want to remind you of what we learned from the book of Proverbs a couple of weeks ago, and that is, it is the glory of God to conceive something and it's the glory of kings to search it out so God is a God of mystery he reserves that for part of his character but those of us in the body of Christ that the Bible calls royal priests we are called to search out these matters Jesus said it is given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God so just reading the Bible surface level is not all that's there there is revelation there is where God is being revealed he is revealing his glory his majesty his character his essence to you and he's so much bigger than just typed words. There's spiritual food in what God has put into the Word of God. There's spiritual food He's put inside of you, and we're going to talk about how you're made in just a second. So we've gotten that out of the way. Now we want to talk about who you are. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19, and we talked about this last week. It says, what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? which you have from God and you are not your own. See, when Jesus died on the cross, he opened the opportunity for you to receive God into yourself continually 24-7, forever. And so Holy Spirit's inside of you if you're a believer. 
And that means that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are a dwelling place for God himself. And yeah, the fact that you don't implode, the fact that you don't just blow up because of his power being in you and his holiness and us being sinful is, is a wonder in and of itself. And that speaks to just how important it is for God to be near you. Oh, so close. He is within your atoms, within your molecular structure. He's in all of you. He has put himself inside of you and soaked you with himself. Now, the trouble is we can seal that or we can put a dam on that. And so we don't get all the spiritual benefits because we're so soulish. We're so fleshy. We, we want things that we can see, touch, smell and all those. So we, we can. What's the word, Lord? We can dim the light. We can dim the power, dim the influence, dim the voice of God in our lives because we're doing so many other things. So that's why we need to talk about this topic, entering God's presence, entering God's presence. So you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So that was the basis for last week when we talked about the temple in the Bible. So the book of Exodus. This is where God told Moses, this is the pattern for worship. That's why we're here to show you what worship really is. What worship really is, is being in God's presence. What worship really is, is setting aside all the other things in your life and saying for this moment and this time for my entire life, really, I'm going to give myself to God. I'm going to be a living sacrifice. I'm going to be a living sermon. I'm going to be a living offering to the Lord. I'm giving myself wholly, entirely to him. Our God is a consuming fire. He wants it all. He wants to consume you with himself. And so entering God's presence is very important because if we're not in his presence, then we're not living out why we were born. We're not living out the purpose of being a Christian. And we are dimming the power, the light, the influence of God uh, in our lives. So the temple had three parts. This is where we're going to start doing some of that um, recap. Three parts to the temple. You have the outer court, the inner court, and the innermost court. So imagine, let's go to Exodus, where there was a tent that was erected. And around the tent, there was a wall. And so when you entered through the gate past the wall, that was called the outer court. And then inside the tent, there were two parts, the inner court and the innermost court. So before you even get into the tent, you enter the court, which is an open area. And this is where they perform sacrifices. This is where they um, basically did what God said was required to atone for their sins every single day. And then the inner court was where the priest would go in. Uh, there was a cadre of priests and they were assigned to go in and take care of the inner court. And part of that was to offer incense to the Lord, which represented uh, praise to the Lord. And inside the inner court, there was a lampstand, which has seven lamps. And there on the other side of the room, to your right, there would be 12 loaves of bread called the showbread. So on your left, there's the lampstand that represents the Holy Spirit. And on the right, there was the bread of life, Jesus Christ. They were symbolic. And right in front of you, as you walked in as the priest, you would have seen the altar of incense. And that's where the people of God would go through the priest and they would offer incense and praises to God. So in the inner court was where the Holy Spirit was lighting the room. So he lights the world with truth. He reproves us or exposes sin, but he's also casting light on Jesus. Everything the Holy Spirit does points to Jesus. It lights Jesus. It illuminates Jesus. So Jesus is on one side of the room being lit by the Holy Spirit. And you walk between the two of them heading straight forward to the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the Father, the presence of God. But the Ark was in the innermost court, and the innermost court was separated from the inner court by a curtain. 
and that curtain was called the veil. So it was veiled. You could not see the Ark of the Covenant. You could not see God in his fullness except on one day a year. So this is how special the innermost court is. The great thing about the innermost court, not only is where you can commune with God and be close, the closest you could possibly be to God here on earth without being obliterated, right, is that it was only one day a year where the high priest, not all the other priests, but only the high priest could enter into the innermost court, also called the most holy place. It, is the whole, it was the holiest place on earth. But what happened was when Jesus died on the cross, Matthew 27 teaches us that the veil was torn. So the separation between God's people and his most holy place was removed. And so that's why coming to Jesus is so much more than being saved. It's so much more than having a good teaching on a Sunday morning. It's so much more than having fire insurance. When I die, I know I'm going to go to heaven. No, 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 no. He came indeed, as he says in John 10, 10, to give you life and life more abundantly. The life is in the Father. The life is in the Son. The life is in the Holy Spirit and being an intimate connection with them in every aspect of your life. Finances, relationships. Everything, your job, all of that. It's not just for the people who are paid to work in the church. It's for all believers. That veil has been removed. And so that's why it behooves us to know what it means to enter into the presence of God. So just foundationally speaking, the fact that if you've come to Christ, it brings you to the presence of God. It brings you to access. You have now the keys in your hand to unlock the door to enter into the most holy place. And this is all in the spirit. You can't see it. There's no tabernacle out there. You can't go and find me the address on Google for the tabernacle. It doesn't exist anymore. Because when Jesus came, he came to give us a, a real relationship that didn't require us bringing goats and lambs and turtle doves and all these things and burning them and allowing the fat to please God and give him a pleasing aroma to satisfy his wrath with the dripping of their blood on the horns of the altar. We don't need to do all of that. Jesus satisfied the cost of sin. And when we put our faith in him, what does the Bible say? Romans 5.1, that we've been justified by faith. So I'm justified, but now the question is, what is my life supposed to look like? It's supposed to look like where you have a vibrant amazing relationship with God and where you can discern but also experience his presence. And I wish I could explain to you his presence. I'm sure you might have had a, maybe one experience already where you had that utter peace. Many times you are brought to tears. You're not thinking about anything else but God, not what you want, what you need, not about your sins. It, you're just enamored with him. You're enamored with his majesty. You're enamored with his honor that he is due. You're, you're enamored, by his, uh, enamored by his grace. You're enamored by his mercy. You're enamored. You're enamored. You're caught up. You're undone. You, you're being deconstructed, which is a buzzword these days. And you're just not even caring about anything except seeing him seeing him. And I'll read this to you before we go any further. In John chapter 14, I believe it's verse 9. So if you have your Bible nearby. No, it's John 14 and, oh, I'm in Luke. John 14 and, yes, verse 9. So verse 8, Philip says to Jesus, he says, show us the Father. And Jesus says to him, have I not, have I been so long with you and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Wait a minute. I thought he was saying, show me the father. He says, I've been with you this long and you don't know me, says Jesus. Jesus and the father are one. This is proof. And then he goes on to say, he that has seen me has seen the father. 
And how can you say, show us the Father? This is why Jesus came. Now, he came for a lot of reasons, but the core is what you'll find through Scripture. Everything talks about Jesus bringing us to the Father. And so the temple talks about this. The temple metaphorically represents how Jesus takes that veil and removes it. Jesus came to show you the Father. So your life is supposed to be lived with the Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. Jesus started his prayer with acknowledging his Father. It's about his Father. And he's your father if you're in the faith. So I'm going to try to really motor through this. The three sections, outer court, inner court, innermost court. The outer court represents uh, the, your physical uh, external body. The inner court represents your soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions. And the innermost court represents your spirit. John 4, 24, I'm going to read this to you. Why are you talking about body, soul, and spirit, Frank? Well, it's very, very key to this teaching. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In John 4, 24, Jesus says, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He didn't say those that worship him must worship him with their body. That's true, but there's more to serving the Lord than just serving him with my physical body. He didn't say those that worship him must worship him in the soul. That's good to worship him with your mind and your will and your desires. Yes, he wants that too. God wants it all. But the key to life is worshiping God from your spirit. That part of you that wants to connect with God. God put his spirit in you. The Bible says that your spirit bears witness with the Holy Spirit, that there is a connection. And so we are well served to be good stewards of our time and put ourselves in a position where we can enter God's presence as often as possible. Now, there's three things I want you to know about entering God's presence. And, and I mean the most holy place. There's anticipation, there's visitation, and then there's dissipation. Moses in Exodus 33, he goes out and, and the cloud descends. He goes into the to the uh, the tent of meeting and comes out and he's got this white, bright face, but it starts to fade. So the yearning that that eternity that God has put inside your heart, that's calling out to God. Psalm 42 says deep calls unto deep. That's the deep parts of you calling to the deep parts of God. There's not even a language for it. It's just in you and it's in him and they're connected and they're like magnetized to one another but you've got to be a steward of that you can't just spend your whole life reading books and playing games and going to going to the mall and you've got to take time and spend time with the lord in the spirit which is to stop everything invite him to visit you like moses would and then when you leave you go about your day but that anticipation is inside of you that yearning for god is inside of you I invite you to be a better steward of your time instead of the scrolling, instead of the surfing on Netflix, instead of the binge watching. Do you see how the world is trying to suck life out of you? It's trying to keep you out of the purpose why you were born. This is why so many people are depressed and have anxiety. We've got more time doing more things that don't matter. 
we are spending so much of our time on media, so much of our time on this, that, and the other, but we're not getting into the presence of God. And so we're not getting fed. We're not getting that abundant life. We're not being filled and refilled. And it's important because that's why you're created to be in his presence, to be connected to him in the spirit. It's not just about walking in a church building. That's physical. Oh, I'm doing the nice religious thing. I'm reading my Bible. That's the nice religious thing. It's, it's not about soul worship where you might cry and weep in worship because you're thinking about your sins or you're, you're destitute. You need a home and you're crying out to God. God, come through and get me this job. Lord, come through and give me this relationship. God, come through and take this sin habit out of me. That's wanting something. It's when you get past that that you get to the spirit when you just want to be with him. You see him by your spirit. You're getting revelation of who he is. Now, this sounds so hard, and it's not. It's just like being married. The Bible says that being married is literally a representation, a representation of Jesus' connection to the church. And so what do you do when you're married? You spend time with one another, quality time. You communicate, you listen to one another, you dote on one another, you get intimate with one another, you're vulnerable with one another, you're honest with one another, you take each other's thoughts and you value them and you search one another, you examine one another, you delve into one another's uh, desires and hopes and dreams. It's the same thing with God. He wants you to light a candle. I have a buddy of mine, Steve. He, he said this one day and it blew my mind. He would go home and light a candle and spend time with the Lord. Dim the lights. It's romantic, yes, but it's not sexual. It's spiritual. So set that time, I would say every day, make a date with the Lord and spend time with him, not just 10 minutes. Jesus said to his disciples, can you not pray with me for an hour? Jesus would spend hours with his father. He wasn't asking the disciples to do more than he was. He was saying, can you do just a small portion of what I'm doing? He would go to the mountain and just spend time with his father. And the more you do this, the more you'll build a yearning to do it. And, more, and the more you'll begin to get past asking God for things, and that's all you pray about. Prayer is literally supposed to be time spent with God in worship. When you sing to God, you tell the Lord what you love about him. You ask him questions. You listen to his heart about matters in your life. But beyond that, you say, Lord, show me your glory. Bring me into your presence. And he will. So the outer course, your physical body, that's all about what I do. It's all about me. Worship in the flesh. I'm doing something for you, God. That's when they would slaughter the lambs and burn them. The inner court is your soul, what God does or has for me. It's still all about me. Worship from the soul. I want something from you, God. And the innermost court is where you're worshiping in the spirit. It's about who God is. It's all about God. It's not about what I do or what God does for me. It's about who God is. And it's not all about me. It's all about God. It's not about worship in the flesh, worship from the soul. It's worship in the spirit. And it's not I'm doing something for you, God. I'm not doing the religious stuff. I'm not saying I want something from you, God. I've sinned and I need forgiveness. It's I want to see you. That is the process of worship. And it is a process. 
Many of us will enter into worship. I know I do enter into worship thinking about things I need to do, thinking about things I didn't get a chance to do, thinking about mistakes I've made. And I've got to sit quietly sometimes and just think on who God is. God, you forgave me already. You love me. You gave your son to drip blood all over the ground for my sins. You brought me into your family. You love me. And I'll sit in silence and let the Lord just talk to my heart. This is how you learn God's voice. This is how you learn God's heart. Some of you watching this don't know God's voice because you don't spend time with him. And you you go into prayer thinking it's about asking questions about what you can get from God. What did I do wrong, God? Can I get this? I promise you, God, if you do this for me, I'll do this. Well, listen, take time. Take 30, 45, an hour with him and relax, breathe, and go into relationship with him. I pray many people, when they hear this message, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit because your yearning for him will start to outgrow your yearning for things. You'll want the, the bread of life, but you'll want more than that. You'll want more than just wisdom from the word of God. We get a lot of teaching. But more, what we more, what we need more than teaching from pastors and preachers and is we need a relationship on our own with the Holy Father, our daddy in heaven. I'm going to end this here. Separating the innermost court from the inner court is the veil. The Bible says when Jesus died in Matthew 27, that the veil was torn. The cross and Jesus's death is the veil. His broken body is the veil. And so seeing Jesus on the cross, seeing Jesus's love, seeing his blood, seeing his heart for you despite your mistakes, seeing his virtue, seeing his unfailing love, his mercy that endures forever, seeing him for the one who would do anything for you. That's when you begin to move into a mode of worship from your spirit. You're no longer singing about God. You're no longer talking about God. You're no longer asking about God. No, you're singing to God. You're singing for God. You're looking for God. You're looking to be in him. I pray this blesses you. This is what Jesus did each and every day. Lord, remind me of this verse. I believe it's Luke 17. Give me a moment here. I know that I am on. <laughs> um, Holy Spirit, help me. Well, I can't find him for, for this uh, particular moment, but... The Lord Jesus would go and teach, and then he would go back to his father. Then he'd go and teach, and he would go back to his father. He would go and teach some more, and then he would come back. Oh, there it is. It's right here in front of me. Luke 21, verse 37. It says, and in the daytime, he was teaching in the temple. And at night, he went out and abode in the mount that is called the Mount of Olives. And all the people came early in the morning to him in the temple to hear him. There's two sides to this. The people in the temple, they wanted the teaching. They wanted to be near him, and they came back early in the morning. I invite you to adopt a schedule where early in the morning you go to Jesus to be taught. The Bible says, Jesus says, you should learn of him. Learn him. Learn his heart. This is where worship really, really goes. It's all about him. 
But the other side of that is Jesus's part. He modeled relationship with his father, that he would go and do things for people and serve people, love people. But the source of all that strength, the source of all that wisdom, that knowledge, that love was the fact that at night he would go and be with his father in the mountain for hours. If Jesus yearned to be with his father, if Jesus knew he had to be with his father and he is our example, then the same is true for you. I really pray that this changes your life. I pray this transforms your prayer life. You'll begin to pray from a place of worship. You'll, begin, you'll grow in faith. You'll grow in relationship. You'll grow in love for people because he'll be conforming you to himself. You'll become more like him because you'll know his heart and you'll be able to, oh, wow, I can't do that because that's not like Jesus. You'll be able to govern yourself better and rest in him and allow him to drive you. Allow the father's heart to drive you. Jesus came to show you the father. And so the more we look and behave like Jesus, the more we look and behave like his father. Thank you for the blood, Jesus. Thank you for the blood you sprinkled on the horns of the altar that atoned for our sins, that satisfied the wrath of a righteous God, but more than anything, brings us into the most holy place where your presence is, Lord Jesus, where your presence is, Holy Spirit, where your presence is, God. And one day we'll be there with you for eternity in your presence. But right now we can't be there. So the best we can do is make time to seek you in our secret place, the innermost court, the most holy place in worship and prayer to receive of you. But most of all, Lord, show us your glory. That is my prayer for everyone seeing this and listening to this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I praise God for you. If you're interested in giving into this word, I invite you to go to faithfireworldwide.com and you can support there. You can also just use Cash App, Faith Fire Worldwide. I praise God for you. We'll be back next week. I believe that's it for entering God's presence. So we'll have a different topic next week. We'll see what the Lord has to say. Between now and then, we'll see you on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the whole thing. God bless you. Mm -hmm.